Hi everyone, welcome to the dumbest Roar Lions radio that we've ever done. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Uh, if it sounds a little weird, it's because we are currently recording in my basement. It is 1.40 in the morning and I'm joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? I feel fantastic, aside from the fact that Bill's going to kill me and leave my body in this basement when we're done with this. <laughs> yeah, we were going to do this upstairs, but there are people who are trying to sleep and this place is quiet. We're also joined by another Roar Lions Roar staff member, Kevin Fay, who is staying at my place. What's up, Kevin? We're in the murder basement and I'm all about it. <laughs> Holly is also here. Holly is Nick's girlfriend. Holly, would you like to say hi? Hello to the world. Hopefully we live through this experience. We'll be alright, trust me. And if we can all survive Penn State knocking off Ohio State, I think we can get through just about anything, y'all. Uh, so yeah, we're recording this right after uh, Penn State took down Ohio State in Beaver Stadium 24-21. Um, yeah, they're, my voice is shot. Nick's voice is shot. Yeah, like, just a ridiculous football game. The Nittany Lions, when you look at the box score, they were out game 413 to 276. They lost the turnover battle. Uh, JT Barrett threw the ball a ton. Penn State went two for 13 on third downs. Like, just so many things. We, should, we should send this to Bill Connolly for his yeah. box score bingo guessing game. <laughs> But yeah, like just everything went wrong, it seemed, when you look solely at the numbers. But Nick, how did Penn State end up winning this game despite that? They won this game because they did something that they have not been able to do at all the last like four years, and that's be awesome on special teams. Oh, at yeah. least for a half. Yeah. At least for a half. It, it was a mix of, it seemed like Penn State being awesome on special teams, and Ohio State really really just shooting itself in the foot on that side of the ball. And that even takes into account Penn State making a really huge error when John Reed muffed the punt, ended up leading to him getting sent to the sideline for punts for the rest of the game and Greg Garrity returned. Uh, but yeah, Ohio State went two for four in the kicking game, uh, one for two on extra points. Uh, but Penn State, I mean, Kevin, that was, like Nick said, that was about as comprehensive of a special teams performance as we've seen out of the Nittany Lions. I don't even know how long. Yeah, it's it's been a, actually a long time since Penn State's actually even been competent on special teams, let alone excellent. Uh, and one thing you didn't mention is the first drive of the game, Penn State marched down the field and yep. had a field goal actually blocked. So yeah. it seemed like it was actually going to go the other way tonight. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of more of the same uh, when it comes to special teams, but they found a way to get it done. Grant Haley, I swear to God, he was the slowest person I've ever seen <laughs> on that field goal return. Like, how, like, you were racing the kicker. What happened? I, I was like, please just get to the goal line. I'm going to die before you get there. But he made it, and thank God he did. Yeah, and I, I mean, Haley, uh, he, he played a really good game on defense, and I think that, that like, what Penn State's defense did tonight was nothing short of fantastic. I mean, we were kind of talking before we started this. Nick made the point that the Nittany Lion defense did something that we knew going into this game was going to be really difficult because it was just something that Ohio State never really had to do to Nick, which was make JT Barrett throw the ball. And even though he had a decent night through the air, uh, like, if you're trying to tell me that he, JT Barrett's either going to use his legs or his arms to beat you, I'm going to take his arm every single time. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, JT Barrett threw 43 passes in this game. And as we talked about with Ramsey on the preview pod for this game, if Ohio State is throwing the ball that much, then there's something wrong. And yeah. there was clearly something wrong. I mean, I, I tweeted on my way here, actually, about how it seemed like the Penn State defensive line used, like, the Monstar powers from... <laughs> <laughs> used Monstar powers to take over... I don't. I mean, take over, kind of take over Ohio State's defensive line powers because they were outstanding. I mean, every yeah. single person on the Penn State defensive line did something positive tonight, and that, I mean, that was the same team that gave up what forty-one points to Pitt. Uh, um, forty-two. Forty-two. Something, something absurd. Like Guys, honestly, I thought we were going to talk about this anymore. Like, I thought <laughs> it was done. Like I thought we were. We're just not going to talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, the defensive line was incredible, and, especially yeah. especially. Garrett Sickles, yeah. who only played a half, but that was without a doubt his best game as a Penn Stater. He was—he yeah. might be my MVP for the game. He in, was incredible. In one half, Sickles nine tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. Penn State on the day had six sacks. When when which one? You just look at that number, Kevin. That's a number that is really impressive. But the thing that really sticks out to me was, yeah, six was the number Penn State ended with, but it seemed like the Nittany Lions could have ended up with double-digit sacks with how they were just causing havoc and getting into the backfield and making Barrett really uncomfortable and just have to make these decisions that he didn't seem like he wanted to make. It was. It's really interesting that after the first couple of weeks when the defensive line seemed to just really struggle no matter who they were playing against, like the fact that you can bring up the fact that they may or may not have had the potential to have 10 to 12 sacks tonight, just it, yeah. it's mind blowing because coming into the game, I think I saw a stat that said that they Ohio State had the sixth best uh, in terms of S and P rankings offensive line in the country. Yeah, they're they're which is which there. which is even which is even more shocking. It's, it's ridiculous to think about. And do you guys think that maybe having uh, Brandon Bell and Jason Kamen back <laughs> with 30-plus tackles between the two of them may have made a difference? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the ESPN stats. Bell had 19 tackles on the game. Uh, Kavinda had 12. And Bowen, Manny Bowen, who, of course, he was not out for any reason. He, you know, just the third linebacker, had 11. Penn State won this game, at least in my eyes, in that second level. Like, Ohio State, you know, they'd get past the line of scrimmage, but Bell and Cabinda and Bowen were just fired up, and the Buckeyes averaged 4.2 yards per carry, but I don't have the math to see what that is if we take out Curtis Samuel's 74-yard uh, apology, 74-yard touchdown run. Yeah, I mean, if you look, I mean, my, Weber had averaged 3.4 yards a carry, and Barrett averaged 1.5 yards a carry. And yeah. then Samuel, obviously, had the 74-yard run, but had another run to win for negative three yards. So if yeah. you take out that 74-yard run, it's, I mean, that probably comes out to something like three yards a carry. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the offense a little bit. Uh, Penn State's offense was kind of not great. It seemed like it had those moments where it got into good rhythms and it was able to do some stuff, but for the most part... The Nittany Lions weren't really able to go out there and, you know, put on the offensive show that I think we all agreed needed to happen to beat Ohio State because I think we all thought going into this game that Penn State would have to score with them. And the thing that's the most impressive to me is we mentioned that 
Uh, Barrett was sacked six times. He could have been sacked far more than that. McSorley, he could have been sacked. Trace McSorley could have been sacked far more than he was. He was sacked one time by uh, Bosa. young Bosa child, yes. But yeah, like, Nick, I thought that up front, this may have been, I don't want to say the most dominant performance that Penn State has had in the James Franklin era, but I, I will, I, I think I'll say the most impressive when you consider the talent of Ohio State's defense and the fact that, you know, they had to replace their starting right tackle, one of the anchors of the offensive line, and Andrew Nelson, Penn State's offensive line, still gave the the offense the things that, the time that it needed to do things to win this game. Yeah, so first off, big ups to Paris Palmer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that dude got abused a lot last season. I know he talked a lot about how you could tell if he was run, block, run blocking or pass blocking by where his, his left foot, foot yeah. was. Um, but he... And, and, and I actually think, I don't know if it's as much that he improved terribly, but I think the coaching job that Matt Limegrover yep. has done in conjunction with what Joe Moorhead has done has been incredible to watch, especially over these last few weeks, because I think Penn State has some raw talent in the middle of their offensive oh, yes. line with uh, Bates and McGovern. And uh, Brendan Mann, obviously, has been outstanding all season, but I think what we're seeing more and more now as they're getting used to this offense is that the tackles are starting to understand, okay, we can let these ends kind of use their speed to get by so we can just funnel them upfield because Trace McSorley has the ability to move through that pocket. He's getting a better understanding of how to move through that pocket and find those holes, whether it's to break a deep run or break a deep run or to hit someone. There's one, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, Nick, and it's a lot easier to do this when you're three feet away from me, but sure. there's one play I can also punch you in the face. Well, I'm actually standing while you are currently squatting, so that would be kind of tough. But there was actually one play that really stuck out to me with McSorley and just his ability to improvise, and that was when he was flush out of the pocket and ran, I believe, to his left, and he got right up to the line of scrimmage, and I think Raekwon McMillan was about to just, it may have been McMillan, about to light him up, and McSorley just turns around and sees Chris Godwin and goes, oh, hey, and just throws the ball to him, and it looked like he might have been ahead of the line of scrimmage, but he was not, and it goes... Well, even if he was, though, I think it was... Oh, it was back, it was back, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, okay. Yeah, and then Godwin, or Godwin or Hamilton, it it was Godwin, okay goes for, you know, seven, eight yards, whatever it was. But that's, Kevin, kind of what we've seen out of McSorley all year. His best asset is his ability to improvise. We saw it on that play. We especially saw it, I thought, on the ground today. 19 carries, 63 yards. But his big ones were those runs where it was, hey, you know what? It may be in the best interest of the team if I just take off. Yeah, and it was really – a lot of those 19 runs were just – his decision-making – throughout the entire year has just been excellent. Yeah. Uh, it started off a little rough, I'll admit, uh, but th- it's gotten better from week to week. And I, I think I said uh, for the first half MVP that uh, as his decision-making gets better, this team will get better. And we kind of saw it a little bit come to fruition tonight. And one of the things I just want to talk about, as bad as the offense was tonight, which it was honestly – they were able to find some success on yeah. probably two or three drives. Their first drive, they looked great. The drive before the, the half, they looked great. And obviously, they scored on the on the um, 
was it the block punt? Yeah, it was on a block field goal. Uh, but it, well, no, they scored on the block field goal, but when they, that set him up for the McSorley touchdown. Wasn't that a block punt? Oh, that was a block yeah, punt. Yeah, that was a block punt. So, I, I mean, the offense really only had about two to three drives where they looked, I, I don't want to say competent, that's not, the, that's not the right word, but like where they looked like they kind of knew what they were doing. Um, but even with that, Saquon Barkley averaged 8.3 yards a carry tonight. Yeah. But he only carried the ball 12 times. Yeah. And I could hear kind of in my section, you know, it's a typical Penn State grumpy <laughs> old person section. Uh, a lot of people were a little a little upset that uh, that he wasn't getting the ball a little bit more. Uh, but at the same time, I really felt that McSorley made the great decision tonight because Ohio State, just like every other team this year, they were keying on him. They were they just made the decision after last year, we're not gonna let Saquon Barkley beat us. Yeah. And McSorley was like, fine, I'll yeah. beat you then. Um, Turns out that offensively, that wasn't what we needed to win the game, but, you know, it got the job done. Yeah, it got the job done, and I think that's the basically the best way to describe everything from this game. Penn State did what it had to to get the job done, and there were some moments that certainly helped out. Uh, there were some officiating decisions that were a little skeptical, that horse collar. Uh, Pass interference! <laughs> yeah, well, I was about to get to that. Uh, the horse collar where, say, Quan Barkley got pulled out by his jersey. Yeah, that probably should have been a horse collar. The Jordan Smith pass breakup, that looked like pass interference. It was so bad that LeBron James tweeted that was pass interference. To which LeBron James, just stick to basketball, okay, yeah. son? <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Pass interference never happened. I'm sorry, <laughs> please don't come at me. But yes, Jordan, uh, Jordan Smith ended up uh, quote tweeting that and saying something like, I didn't think that was pass interference, Mr. King, which like, <laughs> that's shooting your shot if I've ever seen it. But I, I think that one thing that Nick and I are both pretty solid at is taking that step back and looking at the big picture. And Nick, when you do that, when you see what this win means for this program, uh, well, we'll just stick to this year. For the rest of the season, what does this win mean for Penn State? I mean, I was walking after this game with my friends and we were going, 10-2 and two is on the table right now. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what it means, for this season, it means that unless they lose the rest of their games, any talk of James Franklin being on a hot seat is definitely done. Is definitely gone. His seat is frozen right now. Yeah, he's which is good because it should be. Um, and I mean, in terms of like a on the field level, you have to kind of look at this team now and see. I mean, it's hard to imagine that their defensive line would play this well against probably one of the best, probably the best or second best offensive line they've faced, uh, including Michigan. It's hard to imagine them being less against their other opponents. I know not every game will be a whiteout from here on out, but if... Well... <laughs> I mean, it could be. There's, a, there's an Iowa game, and then there's a game against a Michigan State team that lost to Maryland tonight. So... Yeah. Oh, my God. So there, I mean... But I, I did mention that in the uh, in the game preview. I said if Michigan State loses to Maryland, they're not going to a bowl this year. Yeah. Oh no, they're not going. Yeah. Ramsey tweeted at Nick and I like during the game. We were just like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Buddy. Yeah. I, I mean, if it seems like maybe it was the week off, maybe it was just getting those linebackers back and feeling more comfortable with the defense as a whole. But it really seemed like Brent Pry. 
and Sean Spencer figured some things out with that defensive yep. line because not only were they getting the quarterback every play, but everyone was getting the quarterback and everyone was stopping the run. The substitutions were perfect. There were, I remember one mistake and it actually was with Manny Bowen. It wasn't even with the defensive lineman. So everything along the defensive line clicked, which is huge for this team because we know that the, I mean, we know what the offense is. We know it's an explosive offense that's not very efficient, but they can make things happen when they need to. The defense was the big question mark. And if this defense can play the way they just played tonight, the rest of the season, then it's, I mean, 10 and two is extremely on the table. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's really all went, it, uh, man, there's a chance that Penn State ties for the ties for a division championship this year. That is insane. I mean, the rest of the schedule plays out in such a way. Purdue is bad. Iowa, not great. I mean, they're a solid team, but not great. And that's at home at night. Indiana, probably not as good as we thought they were. Rutgers is bad. Michigan State's not very good. So, Kevin, when you look at the rest of this season, like, what are where's your bar at right now? Well, the floor, quite honestly... If they hit eight and four, I'm just gonna be super sad for like most of December. <laughs> like, doesn't matter what Santa Claus brings me at that point. I'm just gonna be sad for like most of the time. Um, the I, honestly, the floor is eight and four. Uh, the ceiling absolutely is ten and two. My expectations, uh, I kind of, I kind of hinted at it during the. Uh, uh, during the weekly national preview this week where I said Indiana maybe isn't as good as we thought we were with Michigan State being as bad as they actually are. Uh, Michigan State is just, they're an absolute, they're a train wreck right now, to be completely honest. Um, Iowa, they put up a fight against Wisconsin. They may be, uh, they may be a tough game. Uh, I really honestly hope they don't sneak up and surprise us. Uh, because I'm going to be back here for a couple weeks. That'll just kind of ruin the entire weekend. I have a nice weekend planned with my <laughs> friends. Prefer that not to be a loss. Um, but it, I, I honestly, I think I'm going to probably play it safe and say 9-3 and three is my bar right now. Nice. Um, I don't like it, but that's my bar. And I, the last thing I want to talk about before we go uh, is just what this means for this program. I mean, a little over four years ago, Penn State football was declared dead. And three hours ago, two hours ago, whatever it is, the team walked off the field after beating the number two team in the country and a team that a lot of people thought could maybe win a national title. So, Nick, for this program going forward, what does this win mean? And I know it's hard to contextualize like right after. It hasn't really set in yet, but what does this mean? First and foremost, it means that James Franklin has his signature win. Yes. Which is something that a lot of people have talked about that he didn't have to this point. I mean, before this game, I mean, his signature win would probably be the Maryland game this year or the San Diego State game last year or maybe one of the, uh, maybe the bowl game win, maybe the Ireland win. But this is, this is a, there's no debate. This is the win. Beating the number two team in the country that also happens to be a team you play every year. That is your signature win. Um, and then kind of thinking about going forward, something that we haven't talked about yet today, and I'll hit on a little more if we do an actual um, recap pod that's a little more thought out um, a couple days later, 
is the impact it's going to have on recruiting. There were 170 plus recruits at this game tonight. Is that good? <laughs> I think that's good. I think I'm not sure, um, but there were I I I'm not sure if Lamont Wade may end up making a trip, but there were names like Micah Parsons. There were um, almost the entire committed class of 2017. There was all all of the 2018 commits aside from Pat Fryerman. There were names like Ricky Slade. There were names like God. I mean, I I could go on list all of them right now. I'm not going to, but mostly because I have too many emotions I can't even think about their names right now but there were there was an unbelievable number of recruits at the game tonight and the main thing you look for as a recruit from what I've gathered from talking to them the way you go to games like this is just the atmosphere but seeing the team that invited you there take down the number two team in the country is not a bad add-on to that plus it enhances the whole atmosphere which is the main thing they're looking for so the impact that this, and again, just as if a loss doesn't mean a recruit's not coming, just because Penn State got a win tonight doesn't mean that X recruit is going to immediately commit here. But it's an extremely, extremely positive impact anyway. Um, so something like this that, I mean, James Franklin could hold his hat on this for a year now until they play Ohio State again. And that's a long time to be able to talk to kids about what you see from your program and what your program can do, especially for that 2018 class that'll be, um, I mean, this next upcoming year, that will be, really be the time focusing on them. And that is a huge, huge class for Penn State because it's already super talented and there are so many talented kids looking at the Nitty Lions right now. So one of, yeah, so like I said, recruiting is a huge, huge, huge yeah. plus for this game. Yeah, I mean, just getting to take, like we said, that step back and look back on all of this and go, I, I can't believe that thing just happened. It's just such a good feeling. It hasn't really hit me yet. Uh, but I know walking on the stage and I was seeing some grown men cry, like it was just a really big deal for a lot of people. The fact that it happened, Penn State knocked off a top, like the number two team for the first time in decades. I don't remember what the exact number was. There are just so many emotions going through something like this right now, uh, and trying to put them all into words is tough, but we hope we were able to do it to the best that we could. Uh, Kevin, thank you for showing up, and by that I mean thank you for sleeping in my living room and coming downstairs when we said this. Honestly, it's the least I can do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Literally. Could not do less. <laughs> Man, uh, so yeah, that's it for this edition of the podcast. For Kevin, for Nick, for Holly, who has hung out here the entire time and is a trooper. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and we hope that by the time you listen to this, tomorrow you were seeing for the first time in years a little number in the AP poll next to Penn State's name. I'm guessing 19. Nick's guessing 19. I'm guessing like 21. But Push us all the way 16. to number two. Yeah, that, that's what it should, it should be like. In UFC, where you knock a team off and you get their championship belt. So. That's what Wisconsin did when they beat LSU start the season. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's it for the decision in the pod. Take care, y'all. We are. Penn State. Penn State. Penn State.